may be a degenerate, but he's our degenerate. Nonsense. I've not yet begun to defile myself. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Finally, we can address the elephant in the room and not feel guilty about it. Finally, it's Patriots Week. 425 on Sunday, 11-2 versus presumably 11-2. If the Patriots lose to the Dolphins tonight, it's because Tom Brady died on the field. Although this is football, so I guess that's always a possibility. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. This just in from PXI. Snow is in the forecast, and their team of meteorologists is tracking when it'll start following in uh-huh. our neighborhood. I ain't afraid. Nothing can hurt us now, baby. It's Patriots week. Boy, did the Steelers' defense look terrible last night, giving up 400 yards to an offense that I spent all week telling you just how bad they are. Joe Flacco stinks, and yet Joe Flacco picked apart the defense. That running game is okay, and yet they ran it down the Steelers' throats. Pittsburgh's defense looks right now like it's one of the worst in the National Football League after for about 10 games this season being one of the very best in the National Football League. That doesn't bode well when you're about to take on the greatest quarterback of all time and the evil genius that is Bill Belichick. If the Steelers are going to beat New England on Sunday, they're going to have to outscore him. And I know that's what everyone says. Outscore him. You've got Ben. But if New England puts up 60... You really think the Steelers are putting up 61? Eh. We'll get into that as the show moves forward. Dale Lolly of DKPittsburghSports.com will join me at 420 to talk about everything that happened last night and look ahead to the New England Patriots. We've got Matt Williamson at 520, as we do every single Monday, and Matt will tell us why the Patriots are going to put up 100 points on Pittsburgh's poorest date. I can't say that I blame the defense all that much. When you lose Ryan Shazier, your most valuable player, when you lose your best corner, when Mike Mitchell's coming back from injury only to leave the game with an injury, I don't know how to expect anything good out of that unit. I just don't. Not to mention Sean Davis, aside from the interception, probably played the worst football game he's ever played in his entire life, gave Baltimore at least 30 yards on a couple of questionable decisions to say the least and then you consider that the pass rush was non-existent until the waning seconds of the ball game new england's gonna have a field day i don't know what pittsburgh can do i'll offer a solution i don't know what they'll be able to do to slow down new england it's gonna rest on the offense one thing i can say about this team they got balls man four of the last five games decided by a chris boswell field goal Steelers came back from that anthem controversy to beat the Ravens earlier on this season. Steelers came back from a terrible loss against Jacksonville to win eight in a row. They've dealt with the Shazier injury, Juju Smith-Schuster suspension, Juju Smith-Schuster being hurt, injuries to Hayden and Mitchell, and the suspension to Marcus Gilbert. 
Ben retired, then unretired. Martavis Bryant crushed his own teammate on social media. Then Ben said, okay, I think I've got it again. Antonio Brown was ripped by Bren. He threw a Gatorade cooler. And despite all that, though, the Steelers are 11-2. and They just win, baby. That's it. They got balls. Now, I don't think that Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots are afraid of balls. In fact, they just deflate them. What they do do, oh my, is systematically beat you down for an hour. And while the Steelers have the gusto, while the Steelers have the medal, while the Steelers have found a way to win in the face of all this adversity, whether it's self-created or not, New England didn't care about that. New England approaches every game the same way, and New England will, I think, systematically defeat the Steelers' defense through their scheme and through their ability. You don't ever hear anybody talk about the Patriots' will, even though they came back from behind 28-3 in the Super Bowl last year. No, what you hear is this team is damn good. The Steelers are good, but a lot of it, I think you can say, comes from not blinking, as Mike Tomlin would say. Just continuing to fight. There's something to be said about that. But I think New England's probably going to get the last word on Sunday. Remember early in the season when Todd Haley was getting ripped, left and right and left and right, and oh my gosh, this guy's an idiot. He's overthinking things. What's his deal? I remember it because I was sticking up for him. I was incredibly critical of Ben Roethlisberger early on in the year. Y'all blamed Haley, and I blamed Ben. I said, I don't know if Ben has it anymore, and why wouldn't I have thought that way? Through the first eight games of the season, we didn't see Ben play well really at all, and in fact, he might have had the worst game of his career against the Jacksonville Jags. I'll say this, he's completely turned it around, and in the last four weeks, aside from Tom Brady, as always, there's not another quarterback who's playing as good as Ben Roethlisberger. Nope. He's one of three quarterbacks of all time to throw for 500 yards in a game. He did it last night, throwing the ball a Mike Leach like 66 times, and he was flawless. Didn't turn the football over, consistently made the right reads, spread the football around. It was an excellent game plan designed by Todd Haley and carried out by Ben Roethlisberger. This just shows you how crucial Ben is to the success of the football team. Not that you didn't know that, but when saying and screaming that the offense hadn't hit 30 points, there was all kinds of finger-pointing at Todd Haley, and it's because Ben Roethlisberger wasn't hitting the deep ball, Ben Roethlisberger wasn't hitting the intermediate game, and Ben Roethlisberger was turning the football over. When Ben Roethlisberger starts to put the ball in the right location, starts to read the defenses appropriately, then guess what? They can put up. 39 points on one of the best defenses in the National Football League. They put up over 40 against the Tennessee Titans. They put up 31 against the Green Bay Packers. And in the second half against Cincinnati, they exploded. This team, when Ben Roethlisberger's playing well, can put up 30 points a game. They're going to need to do at least that. At least that against the New England Patriots. Do it. But this brings up what is going to be the biggest question on today's program at 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I feel better about the team now than when they were playing good defense. 
because the talent on this team is all on the offensive side of the ball, and finally they're living up to said talent. I think they've got a much better shot if Ben Roethlisberger and the offense plays well than by kind of going smoke and mirrors with the defense playing the way it had early in the season. I feel better about the team now than when they were playing good defense. Should I? 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. If Ben Roethlisberger plays like an MVP, doesn't matter how bad the defense is. Defense was awful last night. Didn't matter. Ben Roethlisberger was never going to lose that game. I was listening to the other stations as I drove in. Just wanted to hear what all of the pundits had to say. And what they said was, when the Steelers fell behind 31-10, to 10, they thought the game was over. I didn't. Ask Brian, who's back in the studio right now. I got Joe here on site at the Terrace on 5th, atop Buford's Kitchen across from PPG Paints Arena. When the Steelers were down 31-20, to 20, I said it ain't over yet. Yeah. I was surprised when they kicked the field goal as opposed to scoring a touchdown when they were down 21-20. And they made it an eight-point game. I thought they were going to get one in there. And, in fact, there was an atrocious, atrocious penalty call that was not made. But, regardless, I didn't lose faith. I thought the way Ben was playing, when they opened it up, he was going to be able to lead them down the field to continue to score. And the way that the defense had showed up late in the last couple of games, I expected them to get at least a stop or two. I wouldn't have that faith early in the season that no matter the score, no matter how far down the Steelers were, they can come back in a game. I feel that way now. You always hear that defense and running, that's all portable. If you can run the ball, you can do it in the snow. You can do it on top of a volcano, whatever. You can do it. If you play de- good defense, you can play good defense at home or on the road. Well, you know what else is portable? A damn good quarterback. And if Ben Roethlisberger plays that way again next week, then the Steelers might not have to go on the road. And maybe it doesn't have to be portable. But I feel better about the Steelers now, even though their defense is a sieve, than I did when their offense was a sieve. Am I an idiot? You tell me. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I do think last night was the blueprint to beat the New England Patriots. It's going to be hard to outscore them because their offense is better than Pittsburgh's and their defense is right now playing better than Pittsburgh's. But that's the way you got to win this game. So much has been made about whether the Steelers can play man defense against New England or get pressure on Tom Brady. Can you make tackles in space? All great questions centered around a silly notion. Slowing down Tom Brady. Brady won't be slowed down by the Steelers' defense. Heck, when the Steelers had great defenses of the past, he's matched up pretty well against them. The Steelers have to outscore them. They're going to have to out Brady Brady. Easier said than done, to be sure, but last night's game gives me hope that the Steelers can do that. Consider the last time the Steelers beat New England. Back in 2011, Steelers threw the ball 50 times. They controlled the clock for 39 minutes. The Steelers kept Tom Brady off the field, but not through running the football, through throwing it. That's exactly what Brady does to his opposition. Last night, Steelers held the ball for 34 minutes. Ben threw the ball a career high 66 times. So often we discuss time of possession and equate it to a great running game. Now, that's one way to do it. But you can also have a ball control offense when you're throwing the ball all over the field. 
move the ball, convert third down, score points, keep possession. That's how this team will beat New England if they do it. Baltimore's defense is far superior to that of New England's. And we just saw what the Steelers did to them. What can they do to the Patriots? I look forward to finding out because that's the recipe for success. There's no doubt about that. If they're going to win this game, it's going to be on the back of number seven. Can we start giving Mike Tomlin some credit, too? Seven out of 11 seasons that he's been the coach, the Steelers have won the division. That's seven years starting out the playoffs with a home game. He's a pretty darn good coach. Remember when, just three weeks ago, the entire town was in an uproar because Mike Tomlin had his team looking ahead to the New England Patriots? Looking ahead? Kiss my ass. They're 3-0 and since his comments to Tony Dungy. All close games, sure, but all wins. So how about that? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Put that in your dragon and smoke it. That's a inside joke for me. I don't much care for the listener. Tomlin's team this year hasn't had the same problems of teams in the past. They've beaten teams with losing and winning records. They have the best record in the National Football League. Give him some credit. The game plan against Baltimore was superb. Spread them out. They'll stop the run if you pack it tight. Spread them out. Run it a little bit. But if it ain't there, don't force it. Slang it all over the field. They did. 66 times. And they won because of said game plan. Do it. I will say this. And we'll get to the nitty gritty of last night's game. Coming up with Dale Lolly in just a few moments. I think the Steelers butchered the end of the game. Hand the ball off a couple of times. Force Baltimore to take their final timeout. Give them the ball back with about 12 seconds left. The Steelers gave the ball back to Baltimore with over 40 seconds left. They've got the best kicker in the league. All Baltimore needed to do was get on Pittsburgh's side of the field, and they'd have had a shot. Didn't like that. I think Mike Tomlin deserves a lot of credit. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to blame Mike Tomlin when he deserves to be blamed. The Steelers are lucky that that didn't burn them yesterday. They're lucky that that didn't cost them the game. So much to get to on today's program, including the backyard brawl and basketball. That seems like forever ago, maybe because I drank myself into a stupor that night. Somebody accosted me after the game, said that they hated the radio show. Appreciate that. I'll tell you more about that coming up in the second hour of the show. The NFL also needs to do a better job with player safety. We'll have time to talk about that today, too. We'll hit on that with Matt Williamson coming up at 520. But next, he is Dale Lawley from DKPittsburghSports.com, and he'll tell me what the Steelers need to do to beat the Patriots and how in the hell did the Steelers find a way to beat Baltimore last night. It's the Crowley Show. Covering the Penguins on and off the ice. Through everybody right to the net. Back in it in. Oh, what a goal by Sidney Crosby. Your home of the Pens, ESPN Pittsburgh. He's a legend in Pittsburgh sports. The Godfather, Stan Saverin. A man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. Saverin on sports. Weekdays noon to 2 on ESPN Pittsburgh. 970 AM and now on 106.3 FM. The Adam Crowley Show. I've never felt so alive until now. On ESPN Pittsburgh. The iHeartRadio app. Steelers had him all the way last night. 
I'm not kidding. I never thought the game was in doubt. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's true. The way that they've been winning, they just find a way. They've won 11 out of 13 games. They're pretty freaking good. Winning's all that matters. This week is a big one. We'll see if they can be propelled from winning the last eight. And just to get this out of the way right now, if they lose to New England, doesn't mean that they're not a good team. It means they lost to New England. See what happens in the rematch, right? Dale Lawley from DKPittsburghSports.com joins me now here on the Crowley Show. Dale, thanks for taking the time, buddy. What's up? Hey, what's going on, Adam? Big 12 football game broke out last night, huh, man? It did. It, was, it certainly looked like that. I asked Cam Hayward about that last night. It, it was kind of like a college game. He said, nah, it was more like last week. Uh, so. <laughs> Good point by him. Uh, what yeah, is it, I mean, Dale, about this team that they can find a way uh, in any circumstance? Because they've found ways to win a lot this year, obviously, but it's kind of been different each and every time. Uh, I guess that's a mark of a good team. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, they've won 20 of their last 23 games. Uh, that's pretty good last time I checked. Uh, they are a good football team. I know it's not always pretty, uh, but, the, you know, the, at the end of the, the game, is it, you know, the only thing they ask you is, did you win or did you lose? Um, there may be some people who have other interests in said games who are not happy about the outcomes of these games in terms of uh, how much they win by. Um, but that's their own fault. I think, it, you know, when you look at the way this team has been winning, uh, you should not expect them to necessarily blow anybody out. Um, you know, I think anybody who looked at the uh, um, point spread for that game last night knew that five points was probably a lot, especially in a Ravens-Steelers mm. game. And so, you know, you kind of had to expect this to be a close football game, and it proved to be the case. It was a very close football game, and the Steelers found a way to win. Dale, let's get to the nitty-gritty of this game from last night. You asked the question of Mike Tomlin in the press conference. It seemed like the Steelers had spread Baltimore out from the start and were having a lot of success with it. And then to start the third quarter, the Steelers kind of broke serve right by not doing what they had been doing. They tried to kind of pack it in and run the football. Uh, I thought that was curious. Uh, it wound up not costing them in the end, but that seemed bizarre to get away from what was working. Well, I think field position had something to do with that. That's true. And Martavis, Martavis Bryant playing the uh, his version of, of the football follies. He, I think he filled up an entire tape My just God. by himself, just fielding uh, kickoffs last night, chasing the ball around like it was a, uh, a greased pig. Uh, it was kind of laughable after a while that, I mean, my goodness, he couldn't field the football. And, you know, so they kept getting pinned back inside their own 10, back inside their own 15, back inside their 20. Uh, it just didn't lend itself to coming out and spreading the field because, as you you know, you saw uh, on their final drive, they come up, they spread the field, and Ben Roethlisberger takes a sack. Um, you know, that you, you also open yourself up to those kind of things when you do that. So um, I think that played a part in it. Um, but yeah, they, they needed to keep attacking. Um, they didn't keep attacking. And so, you know, they went through a little bit of a lull there. Dale Lawley from DK Pittsburgh sports.com joining me here on the show. Dale, I thought that that was kind of the key point in the game. Had the Steelers lost, uh, obviously they didn't, uh, they continued to push the ball down the field against Baltimore there after that point when they fell behind 31 to 20. 
To me, Antonio Brown deserves consideration, at least, to be the league's MVP. Ben Roethlisberger's been great these last four weeks or so, Dale. Um, There was nothing Baltimore could do to stop Pittsburgh, and that's unbelievable given how good that this Baltimore defense is. Yeah, I think that's something that people are discounting. Um, You know, the Ravens' defense, yes, they were playing without Jimmy Smith, and that's a big loss for them. Steelers were playing without Ryan Chazier. I think that's a bigger loss for them. And the Steelers went out against a team that leads the league in interceptions with 20. Uh, and Ben Roethlisberger picked them apart, and Antonio Brown was a huge part of that. Uh, seemingly any time he needed a big play, he dialed up Antonio Brown against whoever they had trying to cover him. Uh, he is just playing at another level right now. I don't know that, that you can honestly say that there's ever been a receiver who's having a better season. I mean, you can you can argue Randy Moss and all that other stuff, all the other guys, but it, it's kind of, you know, when you look at what he's doing here, he's got a chance at a two thousand yard season. Um, it's a it's a it's a kind of a long shot, but he's got three games left, and he's, you know, if you look at what he's done over the last month, it's been insane. Uh, you know, another two hundred yard game, and he's right on pace for that. So he's been fantastic. Le'Veon Bell's been fantastic, and Ben Roethlisberger's been fantastic, basically since the. Uh, since they had their bye week. The defense, obviously, not very good right now, Dale. Uh, Not good at all, in fact. Now, they did make a couple of stops at the end of the game when they absolutely needed to make stops, and I guess that is the most important thing, but they're giving up big plays. They're getting run on uh, the last couple of weeks. That's been an issue. Obviously, you take all this considering that Ryan Shazier is not around, Joe Hayden not around, Mike Mitchell's in and, of that, in and out of the lineup, a lot of moving parts there, but Dale, I mean, this is not right now a Super Bowl caliber defense. Well, I, I don't know that we know that yet. I think it's a deep position without one of its best players. Uh, I think it's going to take some time for them to figure this out with Ryan Shazier and what they're going to do with Ryan Shazier. Um, it's not going to be easy. Uh, you can't just replace him with one guy. As we saw last night, it has to be several guys, and we're going to continue to see that happen. What can be done? Uh, what do you think is the way to attack the Patriots? Uh, what do you think the Steelers can do to kind of uh, slow down uh, the offenses that they're going to be facing? Because Baltimore's offense, like we had talked about, yeah, they played well the week before, but they're putrid. And if you give up that kind of yardage, you give up those points to that team, then I am concerned whenever you start playing the big boys. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a concern. They're probably going to have to outscore them, which is what they've done right. the last couple of weeks. I mean, you just go out and, and leave, you know, put it on Ben Roethlisberger's shoulders. By the way, where are you at? I am at the Terrace on 5th. Wow, that's not the studio. No, why? Did you just try to pop in on me? I'm sitting in your chair in the studio. He is in here, Crowley. <laughs> he is taking over. <laughs> That's, uh, that, you see, I could tell you, when you kind of stopped that question, that answer a little bit short, Nail, uh, before, and I think it's because you were trying to smack me with the element of surprise there. I was. I was trying to, you know, get, drop a little uh, surprise on you here, and you ruined it. You he took su- my great surprise, and you ruined it. He surprised me. I turned around. All of a sudden, he's on the radio and standing behind me. <laughs> so, well, I'm wondering, 
uh, now, Dale. Uh, you didn't just come in to screw with me, right? Like you must have something to do. You're doing the you're doing no, the show I, I with, to a, it tonight. Uh, I actually did a, a thing with uh, with uh, the iHeart sponsors earlier today, over at uh, Hyde Park, um, and then I uh, had to go do some work for DK Pittsburgh Sports over at the over at Highmark Stadium. And as I was driving, I thought maybe I could make it there to go sit in the studio with Crowley because it will sound so much better. And the call came in right before I got here, so I said, ah, I'm still going to stop in and see Crowley because I haven't seen my good buddy Crowley in weeks. It has been a and long you're not time. you're not here. And it's even longer when you here. start uh, ignoring my text messages. You know, I get, I get a lot of text messages. I'm a busy guy. <laughs> you're a busy guy getting a lot of text messages <laughs> from people far more important than I am. Uh, Dale, what's the status? And I realize we'll find out as the week progresses. But what's the what's the status of Joe Hayden? Is is he a possible guy who could return against New England? Possible, yes. Uh, we'll see as the week goes on. Uh, when when I talked to him a couple weeks ago, uh, when he got off the crutches, he said that basically uh, he could go right up to maybe even Friday of this week without having practiced and, and still be ready to go. Now we'll see if that holds true here. Um, you know, they need all the pieces together, uh, to make this as good as possible. And we saw the cornerbacks opposite, uh, of Artie Burns kind of get picked on a little bit last night. And Artie Burns, I thought, kind of got jobbed a little bit a couple of times. Oh, my. Uh, yes. On some pass interference penalties. I thought he played a really good game. I think he's been really good the last couple of weeks. And, you know, teams are going to continue to pick on that other side. They're going to go after Cody Sensible. They're going to go after Cameron Sutton. And, you know, I think if you have Joe Hayden out there, it gives the Steelers a much better chance to win. I think then it makes it eat you. Right now, you're kind of covering up. You only had three guys on on this defense who had ever been to a Pro Bowl before, and one of those is James Harrison. The other two are Ryan Shazier and Joe Hayden. Well, you're playing without two of those guys now, and the third guy is is a guy who's you know got his first snaps last night in about six weeks. So yeah, it's not always going to be pretty. So I think if you get Joe Hayden back, it allows you to kind of adjust what you do with that inside linebacker position a little bit better. Um, you know, he's a veteran guy. You're not going to fool him on a lot of stuff. So if they can get him back this week, that's a, that's a big bonus. Um, if not, you know, you play for down the road and try to get him back for the playoffs. Dale, a lot of people have been saying already that the best chance the Steelers have to win is uh, grind it out, try to keep Tom Brady off the field. And I don't agree with the first part of that, I think that you should do what you did this last week, which is throw the football a bunch, uh, put points on the board, but also uh, in throwing the ball a lot, you can still control the clock. They had 34 minutes of possession. The last time they beat the Patriots, they did the exact same thing, throwing it 50 times, and they had 39 minutes of possession. I think that's the recipe for success, especially given that the defense has fallen off for good reason. Yeah, I mean, the idea is to possess the football and score. Um, you know, just grinding it out just for the sake of grinding it out. Uh, if you're only kicking field goals, that's what everybody was complaining about early in the season. Well, they're not, they're not scoring many points. That's what happens when you try to grind it out. Um, you know, they were 12 for 17 last night on third downs. That's, that's outstanding. If you can do that against the Patriots, you will win that football game. Period. Um, now that's very difficult to do. I mean, 17 first downs tells me, uh, 17 first down attempts tells me that they were in third down situations a lot, but they converted 12 of them. And a lot of those were long ones. If you think about it, uh, there was a long one on the last possession to, to, uh, to Jesse James. There was another one to Eli Rogers, uh, just before that. Um, we're talking third and 13. We're talking third and 16. And they were able to convert some of those things 
and keep the you know keep possession of the football. I think if you shorten the game on Tom Brady, that works as well, just as well as putting pressure on him with your defensive line or your defensive front, uh, because now he starts looking at the clock and saying, "Okay, I've I've got I'm, I've, I've got three possessions in the first half." And it's almost over. This is, I mean, that's what happened last night. You think about it, the Steelers had three possessions in the first half. The Ravens had four, basically, if you don't count the end of the, the half stuff. Um, you know, you get Brady to start thinking that way, and he starts feeling like he has to score every time he's out there. That's some added pressure on him. And, you know, now when he makes a mistake, then he starts to get a little flustered, uh, you know, if he has to punt. So, I think it's not just keeping control of the football, it's scoring touchdowns. And so if they're able to do that, they can win this football game. Their offense is good enough. The Raven, you know, the, the, you don't, you look at the, you look at the Patriots, they don't have Le'Veon Bell. They don't have Antonio Brown. Um, you know, is, is Tom Brady, uh, the best or one of the best quarterbacks in the league? Absolutely. But is he head and shoulders above Ben Roethlisberger? Not if Ben's playing, playing right the way now? he's playing, no. Yeah. No, I don't think that he, that he is. Um, so I, you know, now it comes down to, um, can your, are your playmakers better? Can they make some big plays? Are your secondary playmakers better than their guys? Maybe. We'll see. Uh, you know, I think in terms of the defenses, they might be equal. You know, I, I look at New England's defense. They, you know, they're, they're ranked in the bottom half of the league, the bottom third of the league. Now they've, they've beaten, they've gotten better in recent weeks, but they've done that against really bad quarterbacks too. Yeah, and that's part of it, certainly, Dale, that they haven't really been tested of late, and because of that, the numbers are looking better. Now, they've taken care of business against these teams, but the Steelers took care of business against the bad teams they played on the defensive side of the ball early in the season, too. So I, I do think that there's some credence to that. Uh, I know everyone talks about how Bill Belichick is this genius, and okay, I think Bill Belichick's a really darn freaking good coach, one of the best, if not the best of all time. But to me, the Patriots, it comes down to Tom Brady. Uh, you got to slow him down a little bit, and you got to try to outscore him. And I don't know if having watched the Steelers' defense the last couple of weeks, if I feel confident in the Steelers' ability to slow them down. But if he play, if they play the way that they had early in the season, I think that they have the recipe, though. I think that if you can get pressure quickly up the middle, you can at least make him go to his second guy. I think you can amaze, at least make him pat the ball for half a second there, and maybe that's the difference between uh, a, a punt uh, as opposed to what would be a field goal, and maybe that's the difference in a game if the Steelers' offense plays this well. Not even so much making him throw the ball away, but, but or you know patting the ball, but make him make a bad throw. I think you've seen more of that this year. Um, with Tom Brady, I've he's getting hit a him. lot, Dale. It's, I mean, he, yeah, he's, he's been hit sacked he twenty-five times or something like that. Yeah, I mean, he's getting hit, and he's and you know he doesn't like to be hit. Not that anybody really does, but I think you know when he does get hit, there's some of those errant throws. Hey, why am I on the screensaver here? It's your. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I saw them. I saw my reflection in the in the window here. As I'm sitting in your chair, I walk around here and I'm on your damn screensaver. That's technically you miss me that much, Crowley. Is that's that technically wolves. I wanted to feel like I was back at training camp, Dale. So actually, my computer, the one that's right in front of you right now, if you if you were sitting in my seat, is actually Jerry Dulac and John oh, Daly. I see. I see you like Dulac more than me. That's fine. Okay, I get it. No, it's just I will become aroused if I'm staring at you for the entirety of the show. Oh, uh, you guys. Do it. I'm... <laughs> Thank you for your time, Dale. 
You see, I step behind a veil here, and I, I find all these little secrets out. When you get off the phone, go into Brian's room and look at what the screensaver is in there, and then we can, and then shoot me a text. I think you'll like it. Who's this? All right, man, I'll talk to you. There he goes, Dale Lolly from DKPittsburghSports.com. All of our secrets are toast. See, this is why we can't have nice things or people over. I know. I know. It's a good picture of Dale, though. No, it is a good picture, yeah. yeah. Much I mean, better. I think Dale's a really good-looking guy, so any picture of Dale, that's why I can't have it on my screen. By the way, he just saw the secret screensaver in studio and is laughing. Very good. That's Dale Lolly, DKPittsburghSports.com. I've got Matt Williamson coming up at 520. When I come back... Do it. The NFL needs to do a better job with player safety. I want to get to that. And I also want to look at the matchup between the Steelers and the Patriots through kind of a different prism than a lot of people have been looking through right now. You're listening to The Crowley Show. He came here to do three things. Drink beer, talk sports, and drink some more beer. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Avs at Penguins tonight, so we're at Buford's Kitchen. In fact, we're at the Terrace on 5th, atop Buford's Kitchen. Penguins in that final wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. And there was a piece written today by Dan Kongersky on PittsburghHockeyNow.com, a guy that I trust, talking about how Riley Sheehan hasn't been playing great and the Penguins are in legitimate danger of missing the playoffs. A, he's right about the first thing. B, it's still December. And they're in a playoff spot. I'm not willing to have the discussion about whether or not these Penguins are going to make it to the playoffs. Half the teams in the league make it to the playoffs, and Pittsburgh's far better than a middling team in this league. They'll be there. They'll turn it around. They'll get hot at some point. And I realize that if you're diving deep in on the analysis portion uh, of the job, which is what Kingerski's doing, that you can say they've got flaws, and maybe those flaws will cost them, and blah, 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 blah. But when you do what I do, which is watch the games and analyze them in my mind and then tell you what I think's going to happen, what I think's going to happen is they're going to get hot at some point because they always do. They will. They'll make the playoffs, and we'll forget all about this ugly start to the season. In fact, how ugly was their start? Because it is December whatever it is right now, 11th, and they're still sitting in a wild card spot. They'll be fine. 412-922-2874. You know who won't be fine? The Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz, done for the season, tore his ACL. It's going to be the Nick Foles show. There's already been some speculation that Tony Romo is going to be getting a call from the Eagles, and Foles is a really good backup, a guy who played with Chip Kelly and put up very good numbers, but Tony Romo's better. And if Tony Romo could come in in these next two games and figure it out, for the theater side of things, I'm all about that. Plus, maybe Phil Simms gets his job back. You put Phil Simms back next to Nance. That might be the most important thing. Do you see that the Seahawks didn't suffer one suspension for all the stuff that went down with them? at the end of that game against Jacksonville. They had a player go into the stand and try to beat someone. 
they had Michael Bennett kick a dude in the shin. No suspensions there. Yet Grant gets a game. Juju Smith-Schuster gets a game. George Aloka gets a game, reduced then to no games. The National Football League's player safety is just bogus. It's absolute trash. They don't care about protecting the players. It's all about what looks good. And since it was a 1 o'clock game that didn't have huge numbers, well, it doesn't so much matter what happened. There's no need to have to overreact. There's no need to suspend anyone, right? Well, so they say, but I think that's bogus. 412-922-2874. That's 412-922-2874. Here's how I want to look at this game between Pittsburgh and New England. Do you trust the Steelers more now? Or did you trust them more at the beginning of the season? At the beginning of the season, they played good defense. In fact, for a long stretch, they played good defense. For the first ten games, they were one of the best defenses in the league. Now, these last couple of weeks, they've been a sieve. They've been atrocious. But the offense has picked things up. I think the biggest thing that the Steelers could do is turn things on offensively, and that's exactly what they have done. That's exactly the team that they've become. They've morphed kind of into this team that we thought we'd see at the beginning of the season. And if they get Joe Hayden back and healthy, and it's possible, as Dale said this week, if Mike Mitchell comes back and he's healthy, and we'll see what happens with that this week, then maybe this is the team we thought we'd be seeing all season long. And coming into the season, I thought that the Steelers team had an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. They're only going to get better the farther and farther away that they move from Ryan Shazier's injury. They're going to learn how to play without him. Now, you're never going to replace the talent, but you'll know what you're doing. Arthur Motes will know the system a little bit better. Sean Spence will have another game of rust knocked off and an extra week of practice. LJ Fort, same kind of thing with him. They've been practicing calling the defenses. It's something that's not easy to do. We saw some miscommunications on Sunday. They'll get better at all those things. And I think they'll turn from being one of the worst defenses in the league, which they look at like right now, to being a serviceable defense with maybe the best offense in the league the way that Ben Roethlisberger is playing right now. What do you think? You more confident in the Steelers now that Ben's playing well, or were you more confident with the good defense? 412-922-2874. Let's go to Devin next up on the Crowley Show. What's up, Devin? Hey, buddy. I had to call you, man. I need you to make me feel better, man. I've never been so happy and so sad at the same time. Do you need me to rub your feet or something, man? What's wrong? No, no, no just talk to me about sports, man. Let's not get weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I like this better when we had better defense. I love seeing Ben play uh, the way he's playing. Um, but Tom Brady is going to shred us, man. Yep. I'm so sad. I'm so sad about it. I think we can still win if our offense is clicking. But this is what I wanted to say. Uh, I, I just wanted to... Uh, we wanted to know if you knew any um, information on it or anything. How long is Tyler Medicavich going to be out? I don't know if people knew this, but the year that he came out and we drafted him, he had won every major award for best linebacker in the country. He didn't have the measurables, but I'd rather have somebody who actually has a brain and knows where to be at on the field. Do we know anything about him? Will, they give him, will he get back in? Is he hurt for the rest of the season? I just heard he had a hurt shoulder. I'll get yeah, uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I don't have any information on the timetable. I uh, appreciate the call, Devin, as always. Uh, he won the Nagurski Award in college. He was the nation's best inside linebacker. The way I kind of see it with that is that 
Every team in college ball has that guy. Uh, every single team in college ball has a guy who can go sideline to sideline. Uh, he's an athlete. He's a smart player. And the athletes that they're playing against aren't the same caliber that you're going to be playing against in the National Football League. Uh, I put him in that category. Now, he was better than a lot of those guys because he did win the award that you mentioned. But I think the thing that separates him, Devin, is his brights, his brain. And people say all the time, oh, he's a cerebral guy. I hate that saying. It's the dumbest thing ever. you got to try to make sports players sound smarter than they actually are. He's a bright guy. He is. And I think that's important to what they're trying to do right now. So I do think the loss is important. I think LJ Fort is a better player. But someone in the Steelers organization told me during the offseason that if one of their two inside guys were to go down, it was going to be Tyler Matikiewicz who was going to fill in. And Matikiewicz was that next guy up. Unfortunately, he got hurt, but he was going to be the smart dude standing there in the middle with the dot on his helmet telling guys what to do. And that's not to say that LJ Fort can't be that guy. That's not to say Vince Williams isn't good at that. But the thing that made Matikiewicz so good is his ability to think the game of football and be in the right spot. And we saw a lot of plays where the Steelers last night didn't have great gap soundness. Uh, we saw a couple of times the edge didn't get set. Uh, we saw that there was a lack of quickness, certainly on that second level, not something that we would not see Matikiewicz make up for, but perhaps he'd know where the play was going a little bit quicker uh, with his recognition than a guy like Fort would be. We'll see if he comes back, but the Steelers are really hurting at that inside linebacker position, and getting anybody back certainly would help. 412 Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Do you feel better about the Steelers now? Or do you feel better about where the Steelers were when their defense was playing well early in the season and the offense wasn't quite there? Because I feel better about where they are right now because I never thought the Steelers' defense was going to stop the Patriots. I thought maybe they'd have a chance to slow them down. But with the Steelers' offense playing the way it was early in the season, they were never going to outscore the Patriots. Now they can and the defense was always probably going to get picked apart. Last year, Brady put up 38 on Pittsburgh, and I think this defense is better than that, and they'll be playing them in Heinz Field, although right now they're kind of lackluster given the injury situation. But I think that with Ben Roethlisberger playing at an MVP caliber level, he threw for 500 yards last night, they can beat anybody. When you're playing good defense, they always say you can take that anywhere, you can beat anyone, but... Not New England to me. The way the Steelers play isn't conducive to going in there and shutting him down or having him come here and you shut him down. But the offense, Ben Roethlisberger, those weapons, if Ben's playing well, you can outscore anybody, and that includes New England. That's why I feel better. 412-922-2874. That's 412-922-2874. I went to the Backyard Brawl basketball game on Saturday night, and I may or may not have had a lot to drink. In fact, I saw Will Graves from the AP. We'll have him on the show tomorrow, as we do every Tuesday. And Will's a Dub V guy. He was sitting in the press box area, and I was sitting just a couple of rows to the right of the press area, and he came up and he said, you've had a couple of drinks, haven't you? And the answer was yes. They were serving $6 pitchers at the bar that we went to prior to the game. And when there's constantly beer flowing in front of you and you never wind up with an empty glass, you're going to feel it a little bit. 
certainly because I didn't have a lot to eat that day prior to it. So we're all partying. We're getting after it. Dub V, Will Graves. We leave the game after West Virginia's triumphant victory, although it got way too close for comfort for me. And some guy gets in my ear. He's chirping at my friends first. He's saying, you guys beat us, but we're a real bad team. I replaced one B word for another B word. We're a bad team. We stink. We're awful. And you guys barely beat us, so you stink. You're awful. And my buddy just turns around and goes, man, take the L. And this dude looks back at my friends and goes, I don't care about you guys. You guys are cool. I don't like that guy. And he points right at me. And I thought, huh, what I do? And I'm racking my brain. I'm intoxicated. What did I say? I could have said anything over the course of the two-hour and 45 minutes we were at the Peterson Event Center. What did I say? What did I do? Whose mother did I offend? He goes, you talk a lot of junk on your radio show. It's a bad show. And you're a fake tough guy on Twitter. Meanwhile, this guy keeps getting further and further away from me while talking crap because my friend was about to put his boot up his backside. So I'd like to extend my hand to this young Pitt fan, look like a college kid, and just say, man, thanks for listening. Because I know you're listening right now. And if you are, why don't you give me a call? Why don't you talk to me like a real man? Or why don't you come here to the Terrace on 5th, see what you can do whenever there are people around. Just kidding, that's me being fake tough again. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Up next, how the NFL can be better with player safety. And Mike Tomlin deserves a hell of a lot of credit for where this team is right now. It's the Crowley Show. Do it. He wouldn't shut up. So we gave him a talk show. Sometimes I'll start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. A duck. Our good buddy Jim Wexel tweets, How did it come to pass that you now need to beat the Patriots twice? Well, Mike Tomlin said it. Mike Tomlin said that this is the first of two. He said that if both teams take care of business, there will be a second meeting, that this is the elephant in the room, that there will be fireworks. So that's where it came from. I was listening to that other station in town across the street as I was driving here to the Terrace on 5th. And the discussion was about what teams you'd be afraid of in the playoffs, aside from the New England Patriots. And, yeah, I know Baltimore pushed the Steelers to the brink last night, but my answer is none. You know who New England's afraid of? Nobody. You know why? Because they're far and away the two best teams in the conference. Just because you squeak by one week doesn't mean that Baltimore's as good of a team as Pittsburgh. Nope. And it doesn't mean that if Baltimore came to Heinz Field for a playoff game that I'd be worried because I wouldn't be. Joe Flacco turns the football over. Ben Roethlisberger clearly has the ability to run roughshod over that defense. Uh, I think that it's a lot easier to correct stopping the run than it is to correct having 500 yards poured on you from the opposing quarterback. So, no, they don't scare me. Jacksonville did come in here to Pittsburgh earlier on in the season and bludgeon the Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger threw five interceptions. Guess what? Ben was playing terribly then. He's not now. In that team, they've got Blake Bortles. 
So, no, I'm not scared of them. I'm not scared of the 7-6 and six Chargers, although they're playing good football right now. It's going to be Pittsburgh and New England. And I'm not the kind of guy who believes in that kind of stuff. I'm the guy who says sports are unpredictable. They are. This conference this year, though, is not. So, it's going to be the Steelers versus the Patriots, and it's going to happen two times. That's how it came to pass. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Let's go to Todd next up on the Crowley Show. Sup, Todd? Yeah, I feel even better now. I felt good all year, but now the way the offense is clicking, I feel really good. And the defense, they've worried me all year long, but they've always, including last night, when they need the stop, they come up with the stop. You know, they've looked, I mean, they looked last night, I was, you thought they were going to give up another touchdown, it was going to be over, but they they find a way to come up with that big stop when they need it. You know what they do? They, they did so against Green Bay, although Green Bay did come down the field to tie the game late on the drive. Prior to that, though, they played really good defense, forced a three and out. Uh, they played well against Cincinnati in the second half and up to win that game. And then last night there was a couple of big plays at the end, including the final sack. So they've got it in there, and the numbers suggest that they're good. I don't think the numbers are lying. I think that the reality is they're inconsistent, and the injuries have effed them, man. Uh, that's what's up. Uh, the offense, though, with Ben Roethlisberger playing this way, it gives me faith that no matter how bad the defense is, they have the ability to score one more point than the other team. And uh, early on in the season, I did not think that the Steelers could beat New England with the defense that they had because the defense has never worked against Tom Brady. And then the offense that they had, the way that Roethlisberger was playing, how in the world did you have any faith they'd keep up with New England? Now, I still feel the same about the defense. They're going to get shredded by New England. That's what I felt the whole time. But at least this time, I feel like the Steelers can put up some freaking points. Mark tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Sorry, I didn't catch the entire show today. You're not forgiven. Did you already talk about the decision to pass the ball at the end of the game with Ben's floater to nowhere? Steelers rocked, but just curious about the decision. That was incredibly dumb. Incredibly dumb. And I broke it up in the opening monologue. The reality is they won the game. So the process to me was wrong. The result was right, but it's a process-driven lead. That's the way it is. You do the right things, you trust the process, eventually you're going to get rewarded for it. Steelers do that ten times out of ten. They're probably losing five of the games. What Mark's talking about here is at the end of the game, when there was about 50 seconds left, instead of handing the ball off twice, forcing Baltimore to use their final timeout, Pittsburgh handed it uh, through the ball twice and stopped the clock. And they gave the ball back to Baltimore with 42 seconds left. All you need for Baltimore to beat you is getting across the 50-yard line because Justin Tucker's a freaking monster. So I think the Steelers really screwed themselves there, or at least could have screwed themselves, and definitely made for a tenuous couple of minutes for Steelers fans. It was the wrong choice. It's always the wrong choice. It's indefensible, but the Steelers did escape with the win, and hopefully Mike Tomlin sees the error in his ways. I'm sure someone will talk to him about it tomorrow. Or maybe not, because it's Patriots weekend. That's all anybody freaking cares about. Matt Williamson coming up at 520 in 14 minutes, 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. How about the player safety element? 
You look at yesterday around the National Football League, and sweet, sweet Jesus, they failed a number of times. The first time they failed was when Tom Savage, former Pitt quarterback, was having tremors on the field and then was allowed to return to the game. He looked like Michael J. Fox out there. That's not okay. You can't allow that guy to go back in the game at that point. He then was removed from the game, was said to have concussion-like symptoms. Oh, I don't know how they figured that out. And the league's now getting crucified for this, as they should be. I'm sick and tired of the league saying they care about player safety and then none of their actions actually backing up the words that they're saying. The league doesn't lie whenever they do these things that are traceable. When you say something, ah, Leanna, that's my wife, I'm only going to have two or three beers. It's a lie. It's always a lie. And she might call me on it being a lie, but she doesn't know unless she looks at the receipt. You see, the league can lie. The league can say, oh, yeah, we're taking care of these players. But the receipt would then be the evidence that you have to disprove them. Tom Savage having tremors on the field then being allowed to go back into the game. Juju Smith-Schuster getting suspended for a hit that was no worse than what George Iloka did in terms of player safety, and yet George Iloka was unsuspended, if you will. Rob Gronkowski falls on a dude's dome, gives him a concussion, and he gets a game suspension. Meanwhile, Michael Bennett's kicking dudes at the end of the game. You've got Jacksonville Jags climbing into the stands to beat up, or pardon me, you've got Seattle Seahawks climbing up into the stands to beat up Jags fans, and nothing comes of it for those guys. It's ridiculous. The league is inconsistent, and it doesn't give players an opportunity to be safe out there because you can't trust the league. You can't trust the doctors. Tom Savage had his bell rung so much that, again, he was having a seizure on the field. What's that tell you about his brain? Hey, Tom, you good to go back in? Yeah, sure. Because he has no idea what the bleep's going on. So players aren't being helped by the league they're not being helped by the people on the sideline and then the league isn't adjudicating it properly when things are done when atrocities are committed when headshots are given it's ridiculous how about last night uh, jesse james gets hit in the head by eric weddle eric weddle is five foot nine eric weddle is my size jesse james is six foot five at the very least probably a little bit taller than that I've been in the locker room with Jesse James. Eric Weddle had like eight feet to hit on that guy, and he decided to jump up and hit him in the head. They didn't throw a flag. They should have. There were a couple of hits the Steelers laid helmet to helmet that they didn't throw flags on. There's no consistency, and all it is is trying to placate the fans. That's all it is. If there's an outcry, like there was after the Bengals game, suspend people because everyone and their mother watched that Bengals game. Not a lot of people watch the Seattle-Jacksonville game in comparison. So when stuff goes wrong there, who cares? When stuff goes wrong with the Houston quarterback, no one cares because nobody other than people in Houston, and maybe not even them, are watching that game. It's kowtowing to the public opinion. It's bowing down to the people who are the loudest on Twitter. It's all about image and not about the actual reason they should be 
concern, and that's players' brains being damaged, which would lead to lead to the league being in jeopardy at a later point. 412-922-2874. That's 412-922-2874. As I mentioned, no Seahawks players will be suspended. Adam Schefter reported on that. He said, though the NFL is still reviewing the melee under standard process, Ramon Foster quote-tweeted it and said, another screw-up. Man, this is where Mike Mitchell was right. Mike Mitchell was right by saying that players don't know what they can do. Players don't know how to adjust their game. They don't know what is right and what is wrong because the rule book says things, but then it's not enforced, or some things are enforced even stronger than they would be in the rule book. I have empathy for these players, man, especially when it comes to the concussion protocol. When you've got players who are laying on the ground and are gyrating and not in a twerking fashion, and they're allowed to go back into the game, it's a problem. And it's an issue that the league's going to have to deal with because the more that happens, I tell you that it puts the league in jeopardy. Not now, not 10 years from now, probably not 20 years from now, but the more these things happen, the further and further we get away from what you guys all love as football. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I can't get over that I have no idea what the hell's going on in this league. Carson Wentz goes down with an injury, and that wipes the Eagles out, right? I mean, they're not going to win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. If they do, I think it's an indictment on the rest of the league. Not so much on how good the Eagles roster is, but it's an indictment to me on how there's not enough superstar depth around the league. But I don't know who's going to come out of the NFC. I was listening to the Levitard show earlier today, which you can hear from 2 until 4 on ESPN Pittsburgh. And they pointed out that on the TV screen in their studio, the question was, who's the team to beat in the NFC? Well, the answer is no one freaking has any idea. Philadelphia is the best team in the conference, but they don't have their quarterback. Minnesota's maybe the second best team in the conference, certainly by record, and they don't have their quarterback. They got Case freaking Keenum. The Los Angeles Rams are the Los Angeles Rams. The Falcons went to the Super Bowl last year. The Seahawks went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Green Bay won one with Aaron Rodgers, but they didn't have Rodgers. Now they get him back, but is it too little too late? I don't know how to handicap that for you. Then you look at the AFC, and everyone's looking for that third team, right? Who's the team that can shock everyone? Because there has to be one, right? Well, no, not necessarily. That doesn't have to be a team that's going to shock someone. That doesn't have to be a shocker. What are you doing with your hand there, Joe? I don't understand. That doesn't have to be a shocker. What if it's just Pittsburgh and New England and everyone else isn't as good? Are we allowed to just say that? Do I have to have the hot take of, oh, look at this. The big-time Los Angeles Chargers are coming to town. What a good football club they are. Okay, they're 7-6. and six. They're 7-6. and six. Yeah, they've won four in a row. Good for them. But they were 3-6 and six at one point. Good teams don't start out 3-6. and six. And it's not like they've been battling a wealth of injuries. I don't like the hot take nature of the business where we have to deem some team as that next-tiered team, some team as a threat to the Pittsburgh Steelers or the New England Patriots when maybe there just isn't a legitimate challenger. And 
if you're one of the people who's criticizing the Steelers' defense and criticizing the Steelers for all their woes and poking holes in them and looking at them like they're Swiss cheese, well, okay, why are you propping up the Chargers then? Because, again, they're 7-6. and six. They've got more issues than the 11-2 and two Pittsburgh Steelers. And I realize there are other things to measure a team by than just the record because the schedules aren't all the same. But I feel pretty confident in telling you that New England and Pittsburgh are far better than everyone else in the AFC. Up next, Matt Williamson will tell me whether I'm right or not. It's a Crowley Show. This is the Adam Crowley Show. Enough! I'm putting these back in my pants. They're mine. This is crazy. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. I never thought the Steelers were going to lose last night's game. At no point was I concerned. And I realize that probably sounds ridiculous given that they were down 11 points going into the fourth quarter. But I had faith in the offense. And I thought that the Steelers' defense would make enough plays at the end to allow the Steelers to at least make it a game. And they did that and then some. Joining me now to discuss from the Steelers radio network, he is Matt Williamson. Matt, what's up, Holmes? How's it going, dude? Good, man. Did you feel like me? Did you think the Steelers were going to win that game despite everything going against them last night? I did. I really did. I mean, I kind of, well, early on, I thought they might have a blowout in their favor. You know, that when it was 14 nothing, I'm like, you know, the Ravens aren't equipped to come back. They can't play in a shootout-like environment. But the Steelers do so bad that they can. Um, and I will say, though, there was really, I'm, I'm kind of with you, though, that the majority of that game, or if not all the game, I'm like, they're still going to win. Yeah, I, for whatever reason, I had the belief, and I think it's because we've seen it all season long from them in different ways, but they've always found a way to pull it out. Matt, when looking at the Steelers' defense, if you had to rank them right now, the way that they played last night, 1 through 32, uh, where are they? I mean, they can't they can't be close to the top 25, even. No, it's a really bad group right now, and... I mean, maybe 25. I mean, there's some bad ones out there. Don't get me wrong, but if you if maybe a better way to do it is how would you rank their defense against the playoff caliber teams? Oh, well, why don't you just host the radio show then, Matt? Maybe I will. Maybe I'll just kick you out of your stinking job and do it. Um, if I knew anything about any other sport, I would. But I, and baseball season would be rough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how you do it in July. Anyway. Yeah, but I mean, think about the other good teams, the top 15 teams in the league. I might, after watching last night, it might be last. Is there anything that they can do to fix it? I mean, Joe Hayden coming back would obviously help, but, yeah. man, they got run on last night by Jamal Lewis 2.0. I mean, what the hell? Right, I and mean, it was really, really bad. And I think it's going to be really, really bad on Sunday. And, Okay, maybe Moats gets more accustomed to playing inside linebacker, but he's not an inside linebacker. Maybe Spence gets a little more, you know, football ready and accustomed to his teammates. But he was a you know, he was on the on the uh, on the waiver wire for a reason. He's not he's a borderline NFL player. Vince Williams is going to play ninety five percent of the snaps. That's not a good thing. I know he's got sacks and people love him all of a sudden, but he's a part-time player in today's NFL. He can't be your lead guy. Um, I do think – I thought Watt played well last night. And yeah. I thought that was promising. And as a pass rusher, we haven't seen that in a while from him. So maybe that's slightly promising. 
Um, I think Hayward and Tuitt have not been dominant players of late, but I trust them to be as well as Hargrave. So I do think the defensive line will be better than it was last night and it was of late. I mean, I'm reaching here. You are. Aiden returns. But, man, I mean, something I said on the air earlier was if you look at their – you know, 11 to 13 players on defense that play the majority of the snaps. How many of them are above average starters for the NFL right now? I got two. I got Hayward and it. Racking the brain here, Matt. I think you're spot on with that. Hey, Sean Davis was good for one play last night. He was atrocious after that. I really mean, horrible. Just horrible. I mean, the safety play in general has been really bad. Oh. Led by him was really, really bad. I mean, just people running free, missing tackles. I mean, not to mention the, you know, the penalties he takes after the after the fact. Awful. I mean, middle of the field, safety inside linebacker coverage, it can't be worse. I was thinking, Matt, that the Steelers should, in passing situations, uh, get all the middle linebackers off the field and play a bunch of defensive backs. And we did see that a couple of times last night. But when you play New England, they're just going to take what you're giving them, man. Like, if you go small like that, they'll run it. And Deion Lewis is a stud. Uh, if you go another way and you, you try to come in and stop the run, they're going to throw the ball all over your head. Uh, is it? And that's the case even if you're 100% healthy. Well, no, no, exactly. Of course. So, so now I'm worried that they are really going to put up 50 points. In fact, Matt, I don't know how they're not going to put up 50. If Joe Flacco and that awful, putrid offense can put up 38, what's Brady going to do? I 100% agree. I mean, I think he's going to put up 50. <laughs> I mean, and to take it a step further, and we'll talk probably more about this Friday, and we'll see it tonight. I'm interested to watch them tonight. Um, at least they're on a short week. Yeah, maybe Brady will die. <laughs> right, maybe he'll not be good anymore. Yeah, he'll hit the wall tonight. Um, but when Hogan has been out of late, the last month or so or whatever, he comes back tonight. And during that stretch, kind of what you alluded to, they played a lot of very heavy personnel. Devlin, the fullback, double tight end sets, 22 personnel. And that's exactly what I would expect from them against Pittsburgh. And they don't have Gronk tonight, so who knows what they'll do in that facet. Maybe they spread the Dolphins out. But I would think if I'm Belichick and Brady, I want to make sure that I have two of those inside linebackers on the field every snap. I'm going to come out with Burkhead, a fullback, two tight ends, Crooks, you know, or at least base personnel with 21 or 12 personnel and have Hogan out there as well. And keep those linebackers on the field, and then they can take Gronk and detach him and take Burkhead and detach him, and Brady's then in the shotgun with Devlin as a sidecar blocking, just abusing the middle of the field. Do you almost just allow them to do what they're going to do and allow them to pack it in tight and still play a little bit smaller and just let them run it on you and, and maybe allow them to drain the clock a little bit themselves and then hope that you can have a game like you did this week on offense? I mean, you obviously have to try to outshoot them, but they've run more plays than any team in the league. You know, they'll play fast. They consistently get first downs. The defense gets them the ball. They're the you worst, know, man. They're the worst. They do everything right. Answer. You know, I mean, 
what should they do? What are they going to fix? Well, they're just a lot better, and they know how to adjust, and this all isn't an accident, all these Super Bowl trophies up there. You know, like Cincinnati had the fewest plays in the league. Well, the, the Patriots are the opposite. Um, I, I read a really good article by Andy Benoit today, and he was basically saying, well, there's not going to be any answer without Shazier especially. But one thing he suggested is, and we've talked about this forever, was maybe you play press man coverage from here on out. They haven't done that hardly at all this year, but they have acquired people to go that direction. And Keith Butler even said in the offseason, hey, we got to play more man against New England. I mean, that was no secret. You and I talked about that ad nauseum for six months between, between games before the season started. Then maybe you just bump them and get real physical at the line of scrimmage and bring pressure. And if you get beat deep, you get beat deep. You know, I mean, if you get beat and they throw one over your head, okay. I mean, at least we're going to play aggressive and go down guns a-blazing. I don't mind that so much. I think that that might be the way to go, in fact. I mean, if you I don't think it'll go well, but I don't mind it so much. Yeah, right. I mean, if you stink, (laughs) if you stink, you stink. So you might as well try to do something to affect it. That's what West Virginia did a couple of years ago. I mean, they had a historically bad defense, Dale. That's I'm usually talking about this with Dale. But they had a historically bad defense, Matt, and they said, well, we're, get, we're giving up the big play anyway. We might, we might as well just start going zero and, and just bringing everybody. And it helped them. And, uh, look, I don't want to compare the Steelers to that situation, but uh, I think that you have to at least try something. Try exactly, anything. Exactly. I mean, what what they're doing last night and how they play football without Shazier and the people that they're going to put on the field is not going to work. So don't do it. What about the other side, Matt? I mean, do you think Boy, it's been good. I mean, it's totally opposite, totally opposite conversation. It is. I mean, what the hell? If the defense could only be playing the way it was early on in the season with the Steelers' offense playing like this, I think you'd feel a lot better about this game, certainly. Um, but well, they might be the best team in the league. Then they, well, I think they certainly would be. And yeah, Matt. Can they keep this up against this New England defense, which has been a lot better of late, albeit against not all that great competition? Yeah, and it's funny because I got in a big tweet fest with my buddies last night as we're watching the game. And, you know, while the, the, the Patriot defense is terrible, remember all the points they let up? I'm like, dude, in the last eight games, they're averaging under 12 points a game allowed. I mean, that's half a season. You know, it goes back to your point of those damn Patriots, are, now they're doing it right. And you're right that it wasn't a murderer's row. I mean, it wasn't the, the 80s Chargers, but. They, they beat the Falcons. They beat uh, the Chargers. I mean, those are two of the eight teams. And under 12 points a game. I mean, it's not under 20 a game. It's under 12. I mean, over an eight-game stretch. And they're fixing things. I mean, the defense is hard to play against. They'll give up yardage. They're really good in the red zone. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, the Steelers, I think, can hang with anyone. And I'm really, really excited to watch the coaches tape after that one because I'm I'm curious – who does Belichick fear most? Is it Bell or Brown? Or, you know, how does he game plan against the Steelers? I think I'll learn a lot about the Steelers from through Belichick's eyes. But, I mean, their defense is good is, is the bottom line. There's, there's no way around that. Is there a way around it, though? Because there's going to have to be. <laughs> what, what? I mean, the Steelers offense can drop 40 on anyone. I mean, we kind of saw that last night. I mean, I, I think it is a very good group. But... Well, let me ask you this question, Matt. If they put up 40, what percentage do you give the Steelers to win? If the if New England puts up 40? If the Steelers put up 40. Let's just say they let's just say they put up 40 right on the nose. I give them a 66% chance to win. 
Okay. Which usually you'd say I'd give them a 95% right. chance to win. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I, mean, I do. A 40 usually results in victories. Uh, but I, here's, here's something how I explained it yeah. before, too. Is Steelers offense gets an A. Patriots offense gets an A. Patriots defense now gets a B or a B plus. Steelers defense gets a D. Intangibles, Patriots get an A plus. Steelers get an A minus. The intangibles thing's interesting, Matt, because the Steelers, they've got this guts kind of thing going right now, right? They're eleven and two. They found ways to win. Find ways to win. But the Patriots. Like, they don't give a rip about guts. They're almost robots, dude. Like, they're, they're not going to be affected by any of that. Yeah, if the Steelers are down in a game and there's any adversity, I think you like the Steelers' chances better now than maybe you have in a long time. But that doesn't mean that the Patriots would ever fold. And certainly, uh, if the Steelers have intangibles, the Patriots have it in spades. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they didn't fold in the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, no. They're not going to go into a shell. I mean, yeah, no you know way. what? I mean, is that so much about their guts, or is that about them just being really freaking good and smart? Both. I mean, they obviously, when things aren't going well, they adjust better than anyone. Um, I think Brady's competitiveness is legendary, Jordan-esque, you know, I mean, off the charts in that way, too. Um, and they've gotten a bounce here, too, you know, here and there and over the years, too. But part of it's also that you can't ever take your foot off the accelerator against them. No. And teams don't know how to play with a lead against them. Or if you make any little mistake, they stick a knife in your heart. They're good. I mean, they're great. As for last night's game. Real quick, too. And I just want to mention. No. And I want to hear this. But I feel like this week in the NFL was the first time this year that I looked at the whole league as a whole and thought, it's the Patriots, and now there's a gap, and I'm not sure who number two is. And, and the Wentz injury has something to do with that, too. Here's a question that I asked earlier on in the show, and I want your thought on it, Matt. Do you believe more, and I and I heard what you just said there, do you believe more in the Steelers' chances now or whenever they weren't playing great offense earlier in the year but were playing great defense? Because I think I might have more faith in them now just knowing that Roethlisberger can be this guy. I'm really, really impressed with him. And obviously having a great great quarterback is the number one thing you want no matter what. You know, I mean, he makes a lot of problems go away. So I hear you. I mean, the offense is really, really good and led by Ben. He's been fantastic since halftime of the Colts game. But I also looked around the AFC you know, at that point and thought, none of these teams are any good. Where I could see Jacksonville beating the Steelers. I could see the Chargers beating the Steelers. I think the Titans are a fraud, but they could see the Ravens again and battle them to the – I'm not sure if they win their first-round game. I'm not as positive of that anymore. I still think they're going to win at home. If I do too, and they'll be favored no matter what. But I'm less confident that they win their first game in the playoffs now because I think some of these AFC teams aren't terrible. Are you confident in anybody having the ability to beat the Patriots uh, other than Pittsburgh? I mean, do you think any of those same teams could go into New England and win a playoff game? Yeah. I mean, Chargers played them tough. Chargers are playing really, really well. Um, I think Jacksonville can small ball you to death and get a bounce and win 13-9. Last thing for you, and when it comes to this year, Matt, and I caught what you did there. Don't think that I missed it. Oh, no. The Patriots haven't played the toughest schedule. And they played the Saints really before the Saints kind of figured out who they were. Um, 
the teams that they lost to early in the season and played tight were the good teams. They've blown out largely a lot of these bad teams that they've played. Is there a chance that the Patriots are a little overinflated? No. I didn't think so either. Yeah, I mean, if either of these teams are overinflated, it's the Steelers. I mean, and I, I went through this exercise, too. I think the Patriots' schedule is harder than the Steelers thus far. I mean, they played the Chargers. They played the Falcons. They played, you know, the Chiefs, Panthers, Saints. I mean, those are all good teams. And they don't win by a field goal against the Colts. I don't think that kind of stuff matters, honestly. I, I really don't. I, I mean, the playing down to the competition doesn't seem to be something that I, I'd worry about when you're playing New England. But No, that wasn't my point. My point was... Maybe they're not good. <laughs> they're not blowing bad teams out like New England does. Like, New England's going to win by 20 tonight. New England will win like by 20 tonight, but it's not like they didn't play the Jets tight earlier and, and play the no Buccaneers doubt. tight earlier and... Uh, really, the Chargers before they found themselves, they played them tight too. So you know what, Matt? I got. I, I'm positive. Okay, you're just you're just negative, Nancy over there. Matt, the tool man, Williamson. <laughs> what's your What's your what's, What do you want me to respond to on that? Uh, I mean, I, I'm just. I just think San Diego or the Patriots are really, really good. Steelers are good too, but New England's better right now. We'll get you. Maybe final. my tune will change tonight after Miami kicks them their doors in. Yeah, it's gonna happen. Jay Cutler's gonna lead them to the promised land. Oh dude. yeah. Thanks for the time, as always, Matt. We need we need you to uh, submit uh, a nickname, though. I need a nickname idea for you right now, on the spot. We did that Friday. And I need a new one. Radio Do out. it. I need a new one. People liked it and hated it all at the same time. Nobody could have liked it. Do I'm it. With Matty Ice. <sighs> There's already Matt. a Matty Ice. We'll talk to you on Friday. Thanks, Matt. All right. That stinks. See you. There you go. <laughs> Matt the Tool Man Williamson. Coming up next, the officiating last night was atrocious. And it made what was an incredibly interesting game fairly unwatchable at times. And there is one thing that I need to take away from this game that I don't know if it'll come back to bite the Steelers in the butt later on. I'll tell you what that is next. You're listening to the Crowley Show. <laughs> This is the Adam Crowley Show. To pick against the Steelers is a sin. It's a sin that's written in the Bible. Don't you understand? On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. We like to make fun of the other stations around town here on the Crowley Show, and because of that, I was going to dress up as Darth Maul today from Star Wars. You know, the guy with the red and black face, spiky head, double-sided lightsaber, because those dudes across the street were making fun of Star Wars night, and they were saying, it's so stupid, how dare you ruin the sanctity of sports. We need to genuflect when you walk into PPG Paints Arena. You can't walk in there with your face painted like Darth Maul. We were going to make fun of it. I didn't do it, didn't follow through. Here's why. I didn't want to piss off the client. Tomorrow, I will be dressed up as Darth Maul, and we will have it on Facebook Live, www.facebook.com backslash The Adam Crowley Show. So do it. Do check that out. I'll tweet it out. We'll have Katie and Joe and Brian make me up. First time I'll be back in the studio 
in six shows. I love being out here at the Terrace on 5th. It means the Penguins play, so whenever I leave and go home, I get to watch hockey. But I like to be back in my home arena. You miss my us. home base. You I miss- do, and I miss you guys. I mean, yeah. let's be real. I do miss you, Brian. We're a great bunch of people. Good thing Dale was in earlier today, though, so he could warm the seat up a little bit for me. Because it's been a while, man. Like It's going to smell a little bit more like Dale now and a little less like Stan, and it had been smelling like me. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fired up about this. Well, it, actually, you're a little bit off. It smells a lot like Greg in here right now. Cunts. Yep. I'm going to be right back here at the Terrace tomorrow, 4 o'clock until 7. Come on by. They don't know yet, but we're going to make it happen if it smells that bad in there. Got this tweet from Mark. Everyone has a boss. Even a boss has a boss. Unfortunately, Goodell's bosses, the owners, the time that someone will spoke will speak up, Jerry Jones, terrible English. No one else spoke up in support. This crap will continue. Him, He's there talking. Uh, terrible English for me now. Mark's talking there about the player safety elements that we brought up earlier on in the show. I don't understand what Goodell having bosses has anything to do with any of that. In fact, you would think that those guys would try to keep him a little bit more credible instead of rewarding him for having the players not like him in the slightest. Uh, So that's bizarre to me. That's a big issue. The player safety side of things. And the players, I don't know if they know just how big that issue is all the time. And this weekend was another example of that. Uh, whenever you see what happened to Tom Savage and then realize that that could happen to any other player in the league, and as a player who's got a concussion, you're not going to know when you do. You might not be aware that you're putting your body in harm's way when in reality that is exactly what you're doing. I don't know what Goodell has to do with that other than the fact that he's been incredibly, incredibly inconsistent when it comes to disciplining this league. Sherry tweets, Pats have five to six easy definitive wins every year, and those games are nowhere near as physical as our division. Food for thought. I mean, that's definitely something that's been at play, but they've taken full advantage. They've beaten the teams that they're supposed to beat. That's huge. That's why I have a hard time saying, well, the Patriots haven't played anybody this year. They still win Super Bowls. Uh, Like, this is a team that's got some carryover from those other teams, and they've got Tom Brady, so... I don't know if they're as good as their defensive numbers over the last eight weeks would indicate on defense, but I do think that they are still clearly a Super Bowl contender. Let's go to Lewis next up on the Crowley Show. Hello, Lewis. Hello, how are you? Good, man. What's on your mind? Uh, I was just wondering if you think that the injury to Shazier is going to play a big role in the Patriot game. Uh, I think it's going to be huge. If you go back to last year, one of the reasons that the Steelers were able to shut down some of the tight ends that they didn't have success for a large portion of that game against the Patriots and closing down Gronkowski was because of Ryan Shazier. Uh, The Steelers also got creative with Travis Kelsey last year and put Gilbert, the cornerback that they brought in from Cleveland, on him. I think that's something that they could try a little bit this year, maybe slide an extra corner inside to try to take care of Rob Gronkowski. But the thing about Gronk is he'll body up on you if you're a corner. He's a lot stronger than you. He's not as fast as a corner, obviously, but if you put the ball up in his vicinity, he's going to go get it. So Ryan Shazier would be valuable, particularly in the red zone against Gronk, 
because he's got the size and the speed to keep up with him. Uh, in the open field, I think a corner makes a lot more sense, but uh, he's definitely a guy that's missing from their game plan. And in terms of this game, man, keeping up with Gronk's an issue, but I think the bigger issue is stopping the run. They just let a couple of Jamokes in Baltimore run the ball right down their freaking throat. And now you've got Deion Lewis and Rex Burkhead and all these shifty dudes for New England. I think they're going to kill the Steelers, and they don't have the speed to keep up. Anything else, Lewis? Goodbye. 412-922-2874. The Shazier injury cannot be overstated. It's awful for him. It's obviously worse for him than it is for the Steelers. I don't want my comments to be deemed insensitive, but when it comes to the Steelers and their Super Bowl chances, uh, they took a huge shot when Ryan Shazier went down. Here's one thing that happened in this game last night that really bothered me, and really from start to finish. The officiating was atrocious and abhorrent. I thought Artie Burns played a really good game, one of his better games of late, because I think he's kind of been a sieve. He had great coverage down the field, and they threw a flag when the ball, if you're watching on TV, wasn't in the frame. And it was probably 12 yards out of bounds. It's uncatchable by every definition of the rule. If you want to call holding, or if you want to call illegal contact, or you want to call hand to the face, fine. Call one of those. You can't call roughing, or you can't call pass interference there. They were really bad. And they affected this game big time. Now, the Steelers didn't help themselves either, where they had Sean Davis hitting the guy 15 yards out of bounds, and uh, Sean Davis hitting another guy late, picking him up and dropping him down. These things can't happen, and that's the Steelers doing it to themselves. But the officiating overall was abhorrent, and it really could have played a big difference in this game. And it almost did play a big difference in this game. When the Steelers came down and made it 31-23, to they threw a ball to Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger did, to the outside, and Bell was getting bleeped, man. Like, he might as well have been bent over. I mean, it's ridiculous that they didn't call that. They didn't. Steelers had to settle for three as opposed to having the ball on the one-yard line with a chance to score the touchdown. And it didn't cost them, but it could have. And that's what makes sports so predictable. And this sport in particular, when you've got single elimination playoffs, man, you, you got to hope that the calls go your way or at least break even. And the Steelers need all the breaks they can get this week against the New England Patriots. I didn't like Mike Tomlin's decision at the end of the game to throw a couple of passes instead of handing the football off. The Ravens had a couple of timeouts. Make them use them. Tick the clock down. Use all of the play clock and give them the ball back with like 12, 15 seconds left. Steelers gave them the ball back with 42 seconds left, which the way the defense had been playing is a couple of throws near in field goal range. Now, for the Steelers, luckily... They did get bailed out by a call, a holding call in that drive. Luckily, the Steelers got bailed out by a receiver on the sideline. Was it Macklin who didn't keep his feet in bounds? And then, luckily for the Steelers, T.J. Watt decided he was going to get his first sack of the game. Luckily for Mike Tomlin, I guess I should be saying, because it was a bad decision. 412-922-2874. I got another call on the line here. Uh, I don't see the name here, but we'll go. We'll go to Eric. Next up on the Crowley Show. Hello, Eric. 
Hey, what's going on, man? You tell me, man. No, I just wanted to know, like, you think it's a good point that the Patriots just have some psychological edge over the Steelers, like, with Belichick and Tomlin, Belichick sort of has that psychological edge over Tomlin. Brady sort of has that edge over uh, Roethlisberger. And it's just one of those things where, kind of like with us with the Chiefs, like, you just have that edge over the Chiefs all the time. Yeah, I think that there's something to that. I also just think they're better at what they do than what the Steelers guys are. And that's no knock on the Steelers dudes. That's no knock on Tomlin. That's no knock on Roethlisberger. The reality is... Belichick and Brady are the best tandem ever, and Belichick's probably the greatest coach of all time, and Tom Brady's won five Super Bowls as a quarterback. No one else has done that. So the psychological thing is important. The Steelers do have these guys in their heads, but I think the reason they're in the heads is because they are the better football team, and they're better at what they do. Captain Black tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. I wouldn't say the Ravens ran it down the Steelers' throats. I'd say they ran a reach around the side with that zone running, that's true, and the Patriots will employ some of that, too. Steelers gave up 150 yards rushing, 5.8 yards per carry. They're a really bad defense right now. Ben Roethlisberger is playing his best football of the season and really some of the best football of his career right now. I'll tell you what I think the Steelers need to do to beat New England and how it circles around Ben when we come back. You're listening to The Crowley Show. Is the Adam Crowley Show. Oh, no, 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 no. On ESPN Pittsburgh, the iHeartRadio app. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Joe and I are arguing about the Patriots' schedule. He says that they barely beat the Giants this year. He is wrong. They did not play the Giants. Nice gentleman. The security guy here came over and said, who did the Patriots lose to this year? And we were arguing about who it was. It's Carolina, I knew that for a fact, and Kansas City. I know I got that down. As for the rest of their schedule, now I need to prove Joe wrong. I need to Do prove it. him wrong. I'm proving Joe wrong right now. They didn't play the Giants this it, year. It was preseason. <laughs> See, I was, <laughs> I was looking so <laughs> <hard to> stand <laughs> And I, I just glance at the uh, schedule at about like 2.15 in the morning. I saw the Giants, so I didn't think to look. My bad. I'm sorry. It is your bad. And, you, and you're looking me dead in the eye as this nice man comes over. I did. And you say, oh, they lost to the Giants. I did. Oh, they lost. I did. Did they lose to the Giants in the preseason? Did they, they definitely even lose the game? They did not. They won by did two. They beat, they beat the Giants in the preseason? They barely beat. 40-38. to 38. Yeah. We're going all the way back to the old New England Patriots. The one possession game schedule. qualifies as barely beating a team. All right, well, get out. Okay. Here is here's the point that I was making with the Patriots earlier. They're really freaking good. Obviously, they're eleven and two. They've won five Super Bowls with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Like, I'm not gonna rip them down based on the schedule that they've played, but they have had their warts as well. They lost to a Chiefs team that's not great by 15 when they were favored by double digits at home. So that's a bad loss. If the Steelers lost that game, the fans would be pissed. They kept it close against the Texans. They won by three against a not-good Texans team. They lost to the Panthers. They're a good team. Against the Buccaneers, they won 19-14. Three kicks were missed by the Buccaneers, and their kicker got cut after the game. They beat the Jets by a touchdown. The Jets aren't any good. They beat the Chargers 
by eight. That's a one-score game, and the Chargers at the time weren't any good. Now, they've blown out the last three opponents in the Raiders, the Dolphins, and the Bills, but they've got warts just like the Steelers do. Are they better? Yeah, they are. Their offense is better than the Steelers, and defensively they're playing better of late, certainly, than the Steelers are. But it doesn't mean that they haven't played down to their competition at times, too. And, man, the big one, obviously, in the preseason against those New York football giants. I mean, that's that's week four of the preseason. It's practically I know. week one. It's, it's practically week one, Joe. It's a tell-all. It's a tell-all. Fake news. Give me a break. And you're just passing off information like it's fact. And you're so sure of yourself. That's the era we live in. What if I didn't say anything? This man would be walking around. He'd be telling his friend, the guys from ESPN Pittsburgh, don't know what the bleep they're talking about. Is that what you want? Is that what you want, Joe, to misrepresent our station based on your fake news? Dude, perception is everything. God. I'm irritated with you. It's everything. I'm a little upset with the way that you've performed today, Joe. It's all about Just shut up. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowd. We're going to talk about the backyard brawl in the final segment. And I want to let everyone know about your experience, Joe, and I'll let everyone know about my experience. It's a game that they need to play every single freaking season, and I've got a new time that I want them to play the game, a new date for the game. I'll tell you that coming up to wrap up the show. Dale Lolly joining us coming up in 14 minutes to talk about the game from last night and the New England Patriots. I feel better about the Steelers right now than I did earlier on in the year. I think that they have a better chance to beat New England than what I thought early on in the season when kind of handicapping how they stack up against the Patriots. Why? They were never going to beat the Patriots with the defense. I thought early on in the season maybe they'd be able to slow them down a little bit, but that was just fool's gold anyhow. That was never going to be the case. They were never going to be able to slow down New England. But the offense at the time didn't look good. And if the offense can't move the ball and Ben Roethlisberger is turning it over, then they're not going to beat New England. But with the offense playing the way that it is right now, I think they've got a shot. They have a shot to outscore them. They have an opportunity to keep him off the field. This is the biggest key to the game. Yeah, the Steelers got to score a bleep ton. But the Steelers also need to hold on to the football. It's the blueprint to beat the Patriots. It's what the Steelers showed last night. Now, the Patriots are probably going to put up more than 38. Probably. The Steelers are going to need to put up more than 39. But the Steelers need to control the clock in addition to scoring. It can't just be up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. You want to limit Tom Brady's possessions while cashing in on each of the possessions that you have. So much has been made this year and was made during the offseason about can the Steelers play man-to-man defense against New England? Can they pressure Tom Brady? Can they make tackles in space? All great questions, but I think it's centered around what is a silly notion. Slowing down Tom Brady. Brady won't be slowed down by this Steelers defense. Heck, when the Steelers defense was great, Tom Brady's had success against said defenses. The Steelers are going to have to outscore him. They're going to have to out Brady Brady. Now, it's easier said than done, to be sure, but last night's game gives me the hope that the Steelers can do that. Consider the last time the Steelers beat New England. Back in 2011, Steelers threw the ball 50 times. They controlled the clock for 39 minutes. There's this notion that in order to control the clock, in order to monopolize the football, in order to keep Tom Brady off the field, you need to run the ball down their throats. That's not always the case. 
you can sustain time of possession by throwing the football as well. Again, 50 times, 39 minutes. Steelers threw the ball 66 times last night, held the ball for 34 minutes. Move the ball, convert third down. Steelers were 12 of 17 for that, uh, for that last night. Score points, and you keep possession. That's how this team beats New England. And keep this in mind, while Baltimore's offense is nowhere near as good as New England's, New England's defense is not as good as Baltimore's. Even without Jimmy Smith, New England has more holes than Baltimore does. So what can they do to the Patriots? I look forward to finding out, but that's the recipe for success. That's what needs to be done. That's the game plan, and there's no doubt about that. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. It's hard for me to imagine the Steelers losing again, just given the way that they've played the last eight weeks. They have their flaws. They've played down to competition at times, but they still find ways to win games even when they're down in games. Four of the last five have been decided by a Chris Boswell field goal. The Steelers came back from the anthem controversy to beat the Ravens. Steelers came back from a bad loss to Jacksonville to win eight games in a row. They've dealt with the Shazier injury, Juju Smith-Schuster suspension, plus his injuries. They've dealt with injuries to Joe Hayden and Mike Mitchell and the suspension of Marcus Gilbert. Ben retired, then unretired, said he didn't have it anymore. Then he declared himself back and then played poorly after that. Martavis Bryant crushed his own teammate on social media. Antonio Brown threw a Gatorade cooler. Ben ripped him on his radio show despite all that though Steelers are 11 and 2 because they got balls that's it they got balls and I know that that doesn't mean much when you're playing New England because they're a bunch of robots and they approach every team the same way and their skill and their ability and their scheme leads it to not so much matter about that anecdotal stuff but there is something to be said about that. I think Mike Tomlin deserves a lot of credit for having this team where they are right now despite all those distractions. And I can go two ways. You can say, A, Tomlin doesn't have control of his team. Or you can go my route and say, it's 2017. You're going to have to deal with personalities. And he's managed them well enough to have the best record in the National Football League. What say you? 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. The reason that I feel better about this Patriots game right now than I did, say, five weeks ago is because Ben Roethlisberger looks like he's at MVP caliber form right now. 44 of 66 last night. Slung the ball all over the field. Steelers' running game was non-existent by design. I thought Mike Tomlin did a good job putting the end of the game plan with Todd Haley. And he's not making any mistakes. He's not turning the football over. I don't know if one pass last night you thought as it came out of his hand, oh boy, that one should be picked. He's playing really well. And Brady's not playing better than him right now. You can't be. You can't be better than throwing for 500 yards, not turning the football over. So the hope there is that the Steelers can make that matchup negligible. The hope there is that Ben Roethlisberger can be that good again. And then you can keep the rest of the games at Heinz Field whenever you go into the playoffs. The question for me is, can he continue this success on the road? Because we know now that they are in the playoffs. We know now that they've clinched the AFC North. If you win on Sunday, then Ben doesn't have to think about being road Ben anymore. It's home Ben until they win it all or until they lose. But Ben's given me faith that they can beat New England when early in the season I didn't have the faith because I didn't think that Ben had it in him anymore. 
and there's been so much criticism of Todd Haley about the way that the offense has operated, and it's abundantly clear to me what the real issue is. If Ben didn't play well, they don't score points. If he does, they do. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Is it terrible? Am I allowed to say that I don't mind the Seattle Seahawks player going into the stands after getting stuff thrown at him? I feel like if someone threw something to me, I'd get a little irritated. And maybe you're supposed to hold these players to a higher standard, but why? They're human beings. DeMarcus Cousins last year was getting called things, and they threw things at him from the stands, and he flipped out on him, gave him the bird, started screaming stuff, and everyone talked about how bad of a guy Boogie Cousins is, and give me a break. In that moment, you've just lost a game, you just, or you're about to lose a game. You just got kicked out of the game because you were brawling with the other team. You're irritated. You're pissy. Some guy says, in his words, a racial slur and then throws a bottle at you. Man, that guy's so fake tough. He's sitting 15 rows up in the stands. He's not doing anything to, after that, back it up. And when the player for Seattle gets close... He cowers like a little bitch. Man, he's a human. These players are human. And while I don't think you should crawl into the stands and punch a dude in the face, I don't mind making him feel afraid for half a second there. I think he deserves to have the fear of God put into him a little bit. I think he deserves to be a little bit uncomfortable for a minute whenever he thinks he can get away with saying anything and throwing things at the players. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Back to the Steelers when we come back. Dale Lawley from DKPittsburghSports.com will join me to talk about last night's game and look ahead to the New England Patriots. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Crowley Show. Take us with you wherever you go. ESPN Pittsburgh is on the iHeartRadio app. Anywhere, anytime, and always free. ESPN Pittsburgh, an iHeartRadio station. This is the Adam Crowley Show. Oh, I like him. <laughs> He's a handsome guy. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. Despite a lot of sloppy play and terrible defense, the Steelers did find a way to beat the Baltimore Ravens last night, 39-38. Boswell knocked through the 46-yarder, and how about Antonio Brown? Didn't talk about him enough today. That guy, stud. He should be up for the NFL MVP award, especially now with Carson Wentz going down. Now, I'm sure Carson will be up for the award, but he's not going to play the final three games. They're not going to give it to a guy who's injured, so I put him in the conversation at the very least. Joining me now to discuss the Steelers' victory and looking ahead now to the New England Patriots, he is Dale Lawley of DKPittsburghSports.com. Sup, Dale? Hey, what's going on, Adam? Big 12 football game broke out last night, huh, man? It did. It, was, it certainly looked like that. I asked Cam Hayward about that last night. It, it was kind of like a college game. He said, nah, it was more like last week. Uh, so. <laughs> Good point by him. Uh, what yeah, is it, I mean, Dale, about it, this team? that they can find a way uh, in any circumstance because they've found ways to win 
a lot this year, obviously, but it's kind of been different each and every time. I guess that's a mark of a good team. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, they've won 20 of their last 23 games. Uh, that's pretty good last time I checked. Uh, they are a good football team. I know it's not always pretty, uh, but, the, you know, the, at the end of the, the game, is it, you know, the only thing they ask you is, did you win or did you lose? Um, there may be some people who have other interests in said games who are not happy about the outcomes of these games in terms of uh, how much they win by, um, but that's their own fault. I think, you know, when you look at the way this team has been winning, uh, you should not expect them to necessarily blow anybody out. Um, you know, I think anybody who looked at the uh, um, point spread for that game last night knew that five points was probably a lot, especially in a Ravens-Steelers mm. game. And so, you know, you kind of had to expect this to be a close football game, and, and it proved to be the case. It was a very close football game, and the Steelers found a way to win. Dale, let's get to the nitty-gritty of this game from last night. You asked the question of Mike Tomlin in the press conference. It seemed like the Steelers had spread Baltimore out from the start and were having a lot of success with it. And then to start the third quarter, the Steelers kind of broke serve, right, by not doing what they had been doing. They tried to kind of pack it in and run the football. Uh, I thought that was curious. Uh, it wound up not costing them in the end, but that seemed bizarre to get away from what was working. Well, I think field position had something to do with that. That's true. And Martavis Bryant playing the uh, his version of, of the football follies. He, I think he filled up an entire tape My just God. by himself, just fielding uh, kickoffs last night, chasing the ball around like it was a, uh, a grease pig. Uh, it, it was kind of laughable after a while that, I mean, my goodness, he couldn't field the football. And, you know, so they kept getting 10 back inside their own 10, back inside their own 15, back inside their 20. Uh, it just didn't lend itself to coming out and spreading the field because, as you, you know, you saw uh, on their final drive, they come up, they spread the field, and Ben Roethlisberger takes a sack. Um, you know, that you, you also open yourself up to those kind of things when you do that. So um, I think that played a part in it. Um, but, yeah, they, they needed to keep attacking. Um, they didn't keep attacking. And so, you know, they went through a little bit of a lull there. Dale Lawley from DKPittsburghSports.com joining me here on the show. Dale, I thought that that was kind of the key point in the game had the Steelers lost. Uh, obviously, they didn't. Uh, they continued to push the ball down the field against Baltimore there after that point when they fell behind 31-20. to to me, Antonio Brown deserves consideration, at least, to be the league's MVP. Ben Roethlisberger's been great these last four weeks or so, Dale. Um, there was nothing Baltimore could do to stop Pittsburgh, and that's unbelievable given how good that this Baltimore defense is. Yeah, I think that's something that people are discounting. Um, you know, the Ravens defense, yes, they were playing without Jimmy Smith, and that's a big loss for them. Steelers were playing without Ryan Chazier. I think that's a bigger loss for them. And the Steelers went out against a team that leads the league in interceptions with 20. Uh, and Ben Roethlisberger picked them apart, and Antonio Brown was a huge part of that. Uh, seemingly, any time he needed a big play, he dialed up Antonio Brown against whoever they had trying to cover him. Uh, he is just playing at another level right now. I don't know that you can honestly say that there's ever been a receiver who's having a better season. I mean, you can you can argue Randy Moss and all that other stuff, all the other guys, but it, it's kind of, you know, when you look at what he's doing here, he's got a chance at a 2,000-yard season. Um, 
it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a long shot, but he's got three games left and he's, you know, if you look at what he's done over the last month, it's been insane. Uh, you know, another 200 yard game and he's right on pace for that. So he's been fantastic. Le'Veon Bell's been fantastic. And Ben Roethlisberger has been fantastic basically since the, uh, since they had their bye week. The defense, obviously, not very good right now, Dale. Uh, not good at all, in fact. Now, they did make a couple of stops at the end of the game when they absolutely needed to make stops, and I guess that is the most important thing, but they're giving up big plays. They're getting run on uh, in the last couple of weeks. That's been an issue. Obviously, you take all this considering that Ryan Shazier is not around, Joe Hayden not around, Mike Mitchell's in and, of that, in and out of the lineup. A lot of moving parts there, but, Dale, I mean, this is – not right now a Super Bowl caliber defense. Well, I, I don't know that we know that yet. I think it's a deep position without one of its best players. Uh, I think it's going to take some time for them to figure this out with Ryan Shazier and what they're going to do with Ryan Shazier. Um, it's not going to be easy. Uh, you can't just replace him with one guy, as we saw last night. It has to be several guys, and we're going to continue to see that happen. What can be done? Uh, what do you think is the way to attack the Patriots? Uh, what do you think the Steelers can do to kind of uh, slow down uh, the offenses that they're going to be facing? Because Baltimore's offense, like we had talked about, yeah, they played well the week before. They're putrid. And if you give up that kind of yardage, you give up those points to that team, then I am concerned whenever you start playing the big boys. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a concern. They're probably going to have to outscore them, which is what they've done right. the last couple of weeks. I mean, you just go out and, and leave, you know, put it on Ben Roethlisberger's shoulders. By the way, where are you at? I am at the Terrace on 5th. Wow, that's not the studio. No, why? Did you just try to pop in on me? I'm sitting in your chair in the studio. <laughs> he is in here, Crowley. <laughs> he is taking over. <laughs> That's, uh, that, you see, I could tell you, when you kind of stopped that question, that answer a little bit short, Dale, uh, before, and I think it's because you were trying to smack me with the element of surprise there. I was. I was trying to, you know, get, drop a little uh, surprise on you here, and you ruined it. You he took su- my great surprise, and you ruined it. He surprised me. I turned around, all of a sudden, he's on the radio and standing <laughs> behind me. <laughs> so, well, I'm wondering uh, now, Dale, you didn't just come in to screw with me, right? Like you must have something to do. You're doing the you're doing no, the show I, I to a, it tonight. Uh, I actually did a, a thing with the uh, with the the iHeart sponsors earlier today, over at uh, Hyde Park, um, and then I uh, had to go do some work for DK Pittsburgh Sports over at the over at Highmark Stadium. And as I was driving, I thought maybe I could make it there to go sit in the studio with Crowley because it will sound so much better. And the call came in right before I got here, so I said, ah, I'm still going to stop in and see Crowley because I haven't seen my good buddy Crowley in weeks. It has been a and long you're not time. you're here. It's even longer when you here. start uh, ignoring my text messages. You know, I get, I get a lot of text messages. I'm a busy guy. <laughs> you're a busy guy getting a lot of text <laughs> messages from people far more important than I am. Uh, Dale, what's the status, and I realize we'll find out as the week progresses, but what's the, what's the status of Joe Hayden? Is, is he a possible guy who could return against New England? Possible, yes. Uh, we'll see as the week goes on. Uh, when, when I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, uh, when he got off the crutches, he said that basically uh, he could go right up to maybe even Friday of this week without having practiced and, and still be ready to go. Now, we'll see if that holds true here. Um, you know, they need all the pieces together. 
to make this as good as possible. And we saw the cornerbacks opposite uh, of Artie Burns kind of get picked on a little bit last night. And Artie Burns, I thought, kind of got jobbed a little bit a couple of times. Oh, my, uh, yes. On some pass interference penalties. I thought he played a really good game. I think he's been really good the last couple of weeks. And, you know, teams are going to continue to pick on that other side. They're going to go after Cody Sensabaugh. They're going to go after Cameron Sutton. And, you know, I think if you have Joe Hayden out there, it gives the Steelers a much better chance to win. I think then it makes it easier. Right now you're kind of covering up. You only had three guys on on this defense who had ever been to a Pro Bowl before, and one of those is James Harrison. The other two are Ryan Chazier and Joe Hayden. Well, you're playing without two of those guys now, and the third guy is is a guy who's, you know, got his first snaps last night in about six weeks. So, yeah, it's not always going to be pretty. So I think if you get Joe Hayden back, it allows you to kind of adjust what you do with that inside linebacker position a little bit better. Um, you know, he's a veteran guy. You're not going to fool him on a lot of stuff. So if they can get him back this week, that's a, that's a big bonus. Um, if not, you know, you play for down the road and try to get him back for the playoffs. Dale, a lot of people have been saying already that the best chance the Steelers have to win is uh, grind it out, try to keep Tom Brady off the field. And I don't agree with the first part of that. I think that you should do what you did this last week, which is throw the football a bunch, uh, put points on the board, but also uh, in throwing the ball a lot, you can still control the clock. They had 34 minutes of possession. The last time they beat the Patriots, they did the exact same thing, throwing it 50 times, and they had 39 minutes of possession. Uh, I think that's the recipe for success, especially given that the defense has fallen off for good reason. Yeah, I mean, the idea is to possess the football and score. Um, You know, just grinding it out just for the sake of grinding it out uh, if you're only kicking field goals. That's what everybody was complaining about early in the season. Well, they're not, they're not scoring many points. That's what happens when you try to grind it out. Um, you know, they were 12 for 17 last night on third downs. That's that's outstanding. If you can do that against the Patriots, you will win that football game, period. Um, now, that's very difficult to do. I mean, 17 first downs tells me uh, – 17 first down attempts tells me that they were in third down situations a lot but they converted 12 of them, and a lot of those were long ones, if you think about it. Uh, there was a long one on the last possession to to, uh, to Jesse James. There was another one to Eli Rogers uh, just before that. Um, we're talking third and 13. We're talking third and 16, and they were able to convert some of those things and keep the you know keep possession of the football. I think if you shorten the game on Tom Brady, that works as well, just as well as putting pressure on him with your defensive line or your defensive front. Uh, because now he starts looking at the clock and saying, "Okay, I've, I've got I'm, I've, I've got three possessions in the first half, and it's almost over." This is, I mean, that's what happened last night. You think about it, the Steelers had three possessions in the first half. The Ravens had four, basically, if you don't count the end of the, the half stuff. Um, you know, you get Brady to start thinking that way, and he starts feeling like he has to score every time he's out there. That's some added pressure on him. And you know, now when he makes a mistake, then he starts to get a little flustered. Uh, you know, if he has to punt. So I think it's not just keeping control of the football, it's scoring touchdowns. And so if they're able to do that, they can win this football game. Their offense is good enough. The Raven, you know, the, the, you don't, you look at the, you look at the Patriots, they don't have Le'Veon Bell. They don't have Antonio Brown. Um, you know, is, is Tom Brady uh, the best or one of the best quarterbacks in the league? Absolutely. But is he head and shoulders above Ben Roethlisberger, not if Ben's playing, playing right the way now. he's playing. No. Yeah. No, I don't think that he that he is. Um, so I, you know, now it comes down to um, 
can your are your playmakers better? Can they make some big plays? Are your secondary playmakers better than their guys? Maybe we'll see. Uh, you know, I think in terms of the defenses, they might be equal. You know, I, I look at New England's defense. They, you know, they're they're ranked in the bottom half of the league, the bottom third of the league. Now they've they've beaten they've gotten better in recent weeks, but they've done that against really bad quarterbacks too. Yeah, and that's part of it, certainly, Dale, that they haven't really been tested of late, and because of that, the numbers are looking better. Now, they've taken care of business against these teams, but the Steelers took care of business against the bad teams they played on the defensive side of the ball early in the season, too. So I I do think that there's some credence to that. I know everyone talks about how Bill Belichick is this genius, and okay, I think Bill Belichick's a really darn freaking good coach, one of the best, if not the best of all time. But to me, the Patriots, it comes down to Tom Brady, uh, you got to slow him down a little bit, and you got to try to outscore him. And I don't know if having watched the Steelers' defense the last couple of weeks, if I feel confident in the Steelers' ability to slow them down. But if he play, if they play the way that they had early in the season, I think that they have the recipe, though. I think that if you can get pressure quickly up the middle, you can at least make him go to his second guy. I think you can amaze, at least make him pat the ball for half a second there, and maybe that's the difference between uh, a, a punt. Uh, as opposed to what would be a field goal. And maybe that's the difference in a game if the Steelers' offense plays this well. Not even so much making him throw the ball away, but, but or you know, patting the ball, but make him make a bad throw. I think you've seen more of that this year um, with Tom Brady. He's you've getting hit him. a lot, Dale. It's, I mean, he, yeah, he's, he's, he's been hit he's, sacked he 25 times or something like that. Yeah, I mean, he, he's getting hit, and, he's, and, you know, he doesn't like to be hit, not that anybody really does, but... I think, you know, when he does get hit, there's some of those errant throws. Hey, why am I on the screensaver here? It's your, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I saw them. I saw my reflection in the, in the window here as I'm sitting in your chair. I walk around here, and I'm on your damn screensaver. That's technically you me that much, Crowley. That's that technically wolves. <laughs> I wanted to feel like I was back at training camp, Dale. So actually, my computer, the one that's right in front of you right now, if you if you were sitting in my seat, is actually Jerry Dulac and John oh, Daly. I see. I see you like Dulac more than me. That's fine. Okay, I get it. No, it's just I will become aroused if I'm staring at you for the entirety of the show. Oh, you guys. Do it. I'm... <laughs> Thank you for your time, Dale. You see, I step behind the veil here, and I, I find all these little the secrets out. When you get off the phone, go into Brian's room and look at what the screensaver is in there, and then we can, and then shoot me a text. I think you'll like it. Who's this? All right, man. I'll talk to you. The Washington Observer. No! Ah, that's a demerit. We gotta make good on some of that stuff, by the way. I got a big time punishment with Borky I gotta deal with. Tomorrow I gotta paint my face as Darth Maul. Uh, I have to wear the romper. Maybe tomorrow I'll wear the romper while I'm Darth Maul. Just pay that one off, because I've been waiting to pay that one off for a while, but I was always waiting to kind of combine it. We'll flesh that out coming up in the last segment. Plus, I want to talk a little bit about the backyard brawl. I realize this is a Steelers town, so I spent the first two hours and 40 minutes of the radio show talking exclusively about football. But coming up next, my experience, Joe's experience at the backyard brawl and what it means for Pitt moving forward. thought it was a good showing for them. You're listening to The Crowley Show. 
He's a legend in Pittsburgh sports. The Godfather, Stan Saverin. A man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. Saverin on sports. Weekdays noon to 2 on ESPN Pittsburgh. 970 AM and now on 106.3 FM. It's the Adam Crowley Show. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. Two hours and 45 minutes talking about the Steelers and their victory over the Baltimore Ravens and looking ahead to what I think is going to be a sure loss against the New England Patriots. This might be the earliest prediction ever on the Crowley Show. Monday, Steelers losing to the Patriots coming up on Sunday. I do want to spend some time here, though, talking about the backyard brawl because Joe and I were both there. We drank some beers together beforehand, and it was... A perfect showcase for why this game needs to be played every single year. Pitt's awful. West Virginia fancies themselves a good basketball team, but it was close. And there was a moment there where Pitt looked like they might be able to pull it out as they got it to within two. I think, Joe, before we get into the game itself, the atmosphere was great for a rivalry. The student section was there in full force. They were loud. I think they affected the game, too. I really do. The rest of the arena was I think largely West Virginia fans I think probably came down to be 50 50 I don't know what your thought process is there but the atmosphere was great and it, it kind of felt like a bowl game a little bit but with the hatred as well and it, it told me that this is something that I would like to see on the Friday after Thanksgiving every year because that's when the football game used to be played when the football game gets going again they're gonna play it early in the season Play this game the Friday after Thanksgiving. Give it that old backyard brawl feel. That's a great take. Great take. I like that. Uh, the atmosphere exceeded my expectations. I thought it would be, uh, well, honestly, I thought it was going to be a blowout. Um, First half was. Yeah, yeah, but I meant in, in total. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I was very pessimistic heading into halftime. Um, but I honestly didn't think it would be that exciting, that entertaining of a game. And same thing. That helps the atmosphere, crowd. too. What's that? The the game being closer helped. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Especially in the second half when it mattered most, right yeah. down the stretch. So that blew him on the first half, though. I mean, there's no there's no reason why these two teams shouldn't play each other. Um, I'm all for it. It tells you that it was Dixon, though, right? Because Huggins said that he called Stallings. It took two phone calls, five minutes, and the game was on the schedule. Yeah. So that tells me that it's the previous guy who didn't want to do it. That's interesting. That's really interesting. I mean, I think for, for Kevin Stallings' sake, I mean, you win you win that game Saturday night and you've won over the hearts and minds of your fan base who, so. who was down your existence since you walked into the door. So, yeah, it makes sense why he would be so quick to pick up the phone and, and get the game going. But I digress. I still maintain that they should play once a year. It was great when they played twice a year. Those days have come and gone for purely probably economic reasons, but... So be it. Political. Political, uh, all that. Huggins was asked after the game if he thinks that this kind of compared to the old school atmosphere, and he said no. He said, actually, are you kidding me? He said the Pete back in the day was the toughest place to play in the Big East. And I think it was important for Pitt's current group of students and even for Stallings himself to see that the students can affect the game and what that place can kind of be like. Because, I mean, it still wasn't a sellout. There were still some empty seats in the upper corners. Yeah. Um, but 
it kind of gave you that feel of what it could be. And it also told me that the apathy isn't quite as bad as I thought maybe it was. Um, Pitt fans still showed up for the game. Um, the students definitely showed up. Um, they were. I thought they affected the game for a while, especially in the second half. I mean, th that place really gets tough to play. Uh, yeah. The way that they, the way that the, the the floor shakes when they're going up and down. Uh, it, there's something special about that, and I think that I think that this lets you th believe that maybe now they can win a couple of these ACC games. So for Pitt, I thought coming in, my God, they're going to have a tough job time winning any of these games. They'll sneak up on a team or two. They've still got some players. I I think. The best-case scenario for this year is that we've seen the worst of the Kevin Stallings era. Yeah, in, good point. In terms of play and attendance, I mean, this team was sitting, setting a record lows in attendance prior to this game. Every every game they played pretty much broke the record for lowest attendance. So, I mean, but when you're playing out-of-conference teams in a week out-of-conference schedule and you, you're putting a team out there that has Ryan Luther and Jonathan Milligan as the only returning starters – and then a bunch of you know freshmen who who don't identify with the fan base, right? And they're they're playing poorly. They're getting blown out by Penn State by 30 points. That's not a very good recipe for any sort of success. But then you have this rivalry game, and you don't win, but you play it tight. You finish close. There's a good crowd. It's momentum to build up on. The only thing is, this is probably the worst time of the year for to have some momentum gained because it's finals week. It's interconference or out of conference play still. They're playing McNeese State, I think, on like a Wednesday night. So, you know, how many people are going to go to that?